Oh, I'm told I'm live. And here I am, adjusting my microphone like a damn fool. Well, you know what that must mean. It's Monday night, kids. Strap on your stupid. Let's listen to some surf rock. Toronto Beer Podcast with me, your host, Chris Schreier. Those wonderful introductory tones. Hey, Anthony, you didn't hear them. You're on Instagram. Uh, of course, as always, Link Ray Gun by our friends, the Curry Brothers, Pride of Gravenhurst, Ontario. Check them out on Bandcamp, please. Especially if you like good sounding things, because they sound very good. Uh, love that album. We are the Curry Brothers, C U R R I E. Not why. Oh, and there's Kevin, too. Gang's all here tonight. Hey, kids, let's just jump in. I could tell you about why I'm sore and achy, and we're probably going to get there. Oh, I am sore and achy. Man, I'm an old man some days. Uh, but let's say, let's leave that for the minute. And instead, if you're watching on one of the videos, check out that guy. Eh? Ooh, this is Danforth Brewery Viaduct IPA now. I got to be honest with you, I bought this at the LCBO. This could be a real disaster. The first part of the disaster is I'm lying to you. I did not buy it at the LCBO. I bought it at Loblaws. And I bought it at Loblaws off of one of the warm shelves, not out of the fridge. Most of their beer, of course, in the fridge. But this one was on the end aisle cap, and uh, it was room temp when I bought it. So I've turboed it down, as the cool kids say, in the freezer. I want to warn you. Not the most ideal way to chill a beer, but in this case, it might have worked. We're about to find out, because when I open it, one of a few things might happen, and I'm hoping for the good one, which is, I open it, and then I pour it, and there's cold beer in my glass. The temperature in the beer has gotten low enough to be freezing temperature at regular pressure, but not at the pressure in the can. When I open it, it will, of course, turn to slush. That will not be good for the podcast, it will not be good for the beer, it won't be good for anybody. It might also be entirely frozen, but I can tell you just by squeezing it, it does not feel like that's the case. I think we're okay there. It does feel nicely cold, so I might have gotten the mix right on how long to leave it in the freezer. But I do not recommend you do this, friends. This is, uh, I'm, I'm sacrificing for you, so uh, I hope you appreciate my efforts. Let's crack this open. There's another thing that makes me a little apprehensive, but I don't want to say it. Because time, time heals all wounds. Here we go. Oh, God. I, the other thing is this could explode everywhere. I hope that doesn't happen. No? Okay. So far, so good. It's staying liquid. Yep. I think I got it perfect. It's going to be very cold. It's quite cold to the touch. It's pouring well. Oh, I didn't do that on camera. Sorry, guys. There it is. It looks quite brown on camera. It's more orangey where I'm sitting. Again, I think it's the tint on that light. Hang on a sec. How does that look now? Well, it still looks kind of brown, although that's more consistent with what I'm seeing. Yeah, brown in the center, orangey on the edges. 
Oh, Mary Beth and I are just just talking about when you have a rough day. If you follow Mary Beth on the socials and you ought to, she had a rough day today. And that, those happen. It's no fun. Um, but uh, it, the day is over for her. Not in a sinister way. She's done work at home with the kids. I didn't actually see the full message. But uh, if you're a friend of Mary Beth's, reach out and give her a digital pat on the back. Because we all have those days. I had one a couple weeks back and it was not nice. Not nice. Oh, what does Kevin say? Kevin asks, did I wrap it in a wet paper towel before putting it in the freezer? That's a cool trick. That is a cool trick. And no, I did not. Um, you could also use a uh, some sort of like a tea towel or something more reusable. We tend not to keep paper towel around the house because we are filthy granola hipsters. Um, but, uh, you know, a cloth would work too. Um, actually... In terms of if you really want to turbo a beer, which is the term that uh, I've come to use for this, the freezer is actually not where you want to do it, ideally. Uh, the best way to take a room temp or worse, warmer uh, beer and get it down to quite cold uh, is in a, an ice bath of uh, water, but it needs to be salt water. So you want to dissolve it at like seawater levels, so sort of two to three percent salt uh, by weight or by volume. I can't remember now. I don't measure. I just throw a couple of scoops of salt in the water, mix it around, dump in a bunch of ice and then submerge the beer in that and agitate it. Gently twist it around its axis. If you're watching on the camera, like this, not like this, that kind of agitating will just shake it up. But if you twist it like the cylinder of the can, uh, you will create motion inside the salt water. Of course, with the ice, the water, which will be in contact with the can, will have a much not a much, but a notably lower temperature than zero. I believe it's like minus eight salt water at that uh, at that concentration gets to the paper towel slash uh, wet washcloth on the can what you're trying to do here is sort of the same idea uh, do you kids remember from chemistry class the concept of electronegativity uh, which is to say the uh, uh, the the capacity of a given thing to change temperature um, and I can't remember which way this goes. Higher electronegativity means it takes more energy to change the temperature, I think. And lower electronegativity means it takes less, I think. It might be the opposite of that. But the key is a liquid like beer, which is 95% water, give or take, um, slightly less, and about 5% alcohol, um, Liquids like this tend, though not always, to have fairly high electronegativity, which means um, it takes a lot of energy to change its temperature. Air, on the other hand, or other gases, again, generally tend to have much lower electronegativity. What that means is in an environment that's cold, like a freezer, the air is cold, the beer is warm, but the air that contacts the beer will warm up much more quickly than the beer itself will cool down. You will warm a significantly greater amount of air around the beer than you will cool 
the warm beer, just putting it in the freezer, just as is. Now, freezers do tend to have good air circulation, so you don't get stratification, which is when the air nearest the can is warmest and it cools the further out you get um, because there's no air mo motion. There is air motion in, in the, the freezer. Um, but the act of putting something wet on the outside of it means that now the air is cooling that and that is directly cooling the, uh, the beer. And because a cloth slash paper towel is porous, you have a much greater surface area of liquid than just the smooth side of the can. So you, you don't completely bypass that um, imbalance, but you get way more surface area for cooling the water versus warming the air. So you do warm the air in the area significantly more quickly, but that water will tend to stay cooler versus the can, which it's touching, which of course then in turn, the can is effectively passing heat out to that uh, towel, which is saturated in water, and all that surface area lets that heat off into the freezer. Uh, meanwhile, the freezer's air is cooling that water, which is passing cool back into the can. That sounds really intentional or like uh, planned out. It's not, it's just the way physics works. Um, but that's why that works. That's also why putting it in an ice bath of pure water is better because it's like to like more or less water to beer, which is mostly water. Um, so you get a much quicker exchange of the cold from the ice and the warm from the beer and you find a balance. And obviously the more water and ice you have, the colder you can get that beer. Um, so that's how you chill a beer very quickly, kids. Uh, somebody's gonna come at me and tell me to use, it's like a class B fire extinguisher, which is a chemical reaction, which creates a very, very, very cold uh, uh, gas. Um, interesting, but you do still run into the same problem that gases tend to have much it's a less effective or efficient way of, of cooling. Well, now we've been here for 10 minutes and I've poured the beer and I've given you a probably thoroughly flawed science lesson. So let's hang that one up. Um, just remember, if you want to chill a beer, the fastest way is in liquid, even if that liquid is jacketed onto the can in the form of a paper towel. Uh, nice tip, Kevin. Thank you for bringing it up. Hey, uh, what am I drinking? Have I even told you? It's in the title, so... Unless you're on Instagram where you don't get to see the title. I did show you the can, though. This is Danforth Brewery's Viaduct IPA. It does have a picture of uh, the Bluer Viaduct uh, on there. It's interesting. I don't know if that's a historical representation. I don't remember that piece of, maybe that's a tree. It looks like land to me. Anyway, I digress. Neither here nor there. Podcasts, typically a audio medium pointing at a can. Not great podcasting. Um, what was I saying? Danforth Brewery. Bought it at the uh, Loblaws. Viaduct IPA. Now, I have had this early, early, early in Danforth Brewery's existence. This is the first time I'll have had it in years. So I have no idea what it's going to be like. I believe they brew out of common good in Scarborough, but I could be wrong about that. They might be brewing somewhere else. They might have their own brewery now. There is one way to tell. I'm going to try not to read anything um, too telling on the can. It does say that it is a product of Canada. 
It does say that it's a West Coast IPA. Toronto, Ontario. does not say where. I think it's common good. As I say, maybe they have their own space now. Uh, you know what? Let's just get sniffing and drinking. So, okay. West Coast IPA, I'll buy that. It smells orangey. Yeah, orangey peel and it smells like yeah, I just cut open an orange, to be honest with you. Peel and, and pulp. There's a multi note. It's interesting, not super crystally. And again, we've been talking about West Coast IPAs a lot recently and crystal malts recently. And again, I got nothing against a crystal malt. Not getting a ton of it on the nose. There's a caramelly note to the uh, the malt. And I mean, obviously, I'm drinking with my eyes a little bit. You'll look at this, friends, and it is it's darker to be sure, as I say, sort of orangey tending to reddish brown in the middle. Um, so there's something that's coming from the malt. And so there's something a bit darker in there. The malt aroma I'm getting is uh, a little bready, maybe not quite caramelly. Yeah, sort of brown bready, to be honest with you. A little yeasty, if I'm honest. Maybe a hint of sulfur? Wouldn't expect that in the West Coast. No, maybe not. Maybe that's just my brain playing tricks on me. It smells a little bit like proofing brown bread, which typically will have a little bit of um, sulfur to it from the yeast. But I don't think that's what we're getting here. Okay, I'm going to drink it. Mmm. Hmm. I need another sip. That was very cold. <laughs> kind of made my teeth jangle. Let me try that again. Oh, but by the way, that's a West Coast IPA. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, aside from some idiot putting it in the freezer for an hour and 20 minutes and making it really cold. Yeah, by the way, it was in the freezer for an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, that does what it says on the can. Hmm. The malts are super interesting. Not prevalent, but they're the thing I'm having the most thought process about right now. Let me tell you about the hops first. A, this is very cold. If I... <laughs> it's like kind of cold to hold, to be honest with you. This is very cold. <laughs> Alcohol, by the way, can be lower than zero uh, without freezing. Again, I don't know what the freezing point of beer is, but it's lower than zero. This is there and thereabouts. Trying to warm it up a bit with my hands. Give it a fair shake. Uh, anything aromatic is depleted by being cold. Uh, I don't know the science behind that. And even if I did, I wouldn't try and explain it. Because I do one science lesson per podcast, and you've already had it. Um... But yeah, like one of the reasons why you tend to drink like Bud Light as cold as humanly possible. And again, like you'll see sometimes, you know, the towers, they have like a column of ice on the outside of them because they run the 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 uh, the glycol cooling so cold. Uh, one of the reasons why you do that is because you don't it's not that you don't want to taste it. It doesn't taste like much, but it tastes like even less when it's really cold. When it's really cold, it's a little sweet, a little bitter, fizzy, and cold are sort of the flavor components. And yeah, two of those things are not flavors. Anyway. So, 
This is probably Cascade or Centennial. It's orangey, a little earthy and musty. Mm, eh, maybe a little pine, a little touch of pine. Mostly earthy, musty, orangey. Canvassy, as I like to think about when I think about musty like that. You know, me and my old army tent. Actually, it's a little juicier on the nose as it's warming up a little. There might be something other than Cascade in there or Centennial. Might be some Citra, to be honest with you. Probably. It does to put a little Citra in everything. I know I've said this before, but I might not have in season eight. If you're a home brewer, use Citra like salt. Put it in everything, but just a little. Just to wake it up a little. Now, that's what the hops are doing. Orangey, a little juicy, musty canvassy, a little earthy, maybe piney. I'd give you a bit of pine. What's interesting is the malts. It's kind of got an Ontario pale ale thing going on, but not in a bad way. It's a West Coast IPA. It's doing what it should. Hmm. What are these malts? It's interesting. Honestly, if you told me there was Vienna in there, I would believe it. Both because of the color, but also, yeah, brown bready, but this now is touching a, maybe a little caramelly. Hmm. Maybe a little touch of molasses to it, too, or brown sugar. Hmm. It, it, there might be crystal in there too, but it's not super crystally. It's not sugary. Um, like I said, when I said molassesy, and I was like maybe brown sugary, but molassesy because brown sugar tastes like molasses. There's a um, an irony or a sanguine bite, if you prefer, on the malt. It's a little unexpected. I feel a little bad because, as I say, this is quite cold. It's billed as a West Coast IPA. I'd buy that. It doesn't quite have the bite, the physical bitterness that I look for from an IPA, a West Coast IPA, where I want, like, almost teeth squeaky. I mean, I don't want squeaky teeth, but I want to be thinking, hmm, is this squeaky teeth? This, I'm like, no doubt. This isn't squeaky teeth. There's some alpha acid to it. There's some perceived bitterness. I'm not sure if it's that there isn't a lot of perceived bitterness or if this malt bill is compensating for a lot of that, which it could be. Like I say, it's an interesting malt bill. It's not what I would expect. I'm going to look this up in just a second and let it warm up a little bit too. I just feel like, I, I wonder, maybe this is partially my fault, it might be the cold. I don't feel like there's good simpatico between the malt and the hops on this. It's not bad. It just feels like almost like, like almost like two different beers. That's actually why I said I wouldn't be surprised if it was Vienna. The malt profile tastes a little bit like a Vienna lager, but with this sort of West Coast hopping, 
It's interesting. Again, I want to I want to let it warm up, but I also want to keep drinking it. It certainly fits within the context of a West Coast IPA. I could do with a little bit more IBU perceived bitterness, um, but it's it's there. It's bitter for sure. Um, body's nice. Carbonation's fine. Um, Color is interesting, as I say. Okay, I want to. I'm going to start with the can, and then uh, I'm going to look it up. I really want to know about the malt bill. The can does say the Prince Edward Viaduct. No idea it was called that. Prince Edward, eh? Hmm. I walked across the viaduct for the first time in my life on St. Patty's, going between um, Stout Irish and Noonan's. Never walked across the viaduct before then. Did it? It's nice. It's a nice walk. Uh, sorry, the Prince Edward Viaduct, a meticulously crafted landmark at the heart of the development of Toronto's East End. Fair point. Viaduct IPA is our way of raising a glass to the vital artery that pumped life into Danforth Avenue's vibrant communities. Okay, doesn't say anything about the beer, but that's cool. I'll buy that. Uh, a classic West Coast IPA viaduct will freshen your senses with moderate bitterness and rich aromas of citrus and pine. Yeah, I guess depending on moderate being a somewhat relative term, I can buy into that too. Rich aromas of citrus for sure. Pine, mm, dank, earthy, maybe more than pine, but that's just my nose. Uh, there are ingredients here. Water, malted barley, hops, yeast. So, <laughs> nothing out of the ordinary there. Uh, let's just see if we can find out anything else about it. I'd really like to know about that malt profile. Danforth Brewery Viaduct IPA. I'm gonna bet it says the same thing here. That it says there. Oh, I just noticed on Canadian Beer News, it said something about uh, that they launched. It looked like 2016. So we'll call it six years. Seems about right. Yes, confirmed. Danforth Brewery's website does not give us any more information than what is on the side of the can. Uh, let's see if anybody else has any information. I'm not seeing. Oh, I do see incidentally on Beer Advocate that it says that it's brewed in Etobicoke, which would make me think it's either brewed at Black Oak or Cool. Um, does this say anything? Not really. This is I'm not going to say who, but it's a website and their description of the beer is vague at best and uh, well I'm going to get to the food that we're going to eat while we drink this I'm going to tell you this I'm not going to tell you what they say but I disagree with everything that they say we should be eating with that beer I don't want to say what it was because I don't want to make anyone angry at me I mean, I don't like to brag, but I've been doing this for a while. And that was a terrible pairing. I mean, it probably wouldn't have been bad. It would have been edible. But 
as I always like to point out, a beer pairing should elevate both sides of the pairing, that is the beer and the food, in such a way that, to use the old phrase, the sum is... No, wait. I never get the old phrase right. It's greater than the sum of its parts. The experience should be greater than the sum of the two parts. When you drink your Danforth Brewery Viaduct IPA, like I'm doing right now, if you have it with... I don't know if you could hear that or not, but I intentionally obfuscate, ob, obfuscated my words with my hands. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to eat with this? It's interesting because, as I say, it feels like sort of two beers trying to figure each other out. I don't know if we want to go with the citrusy, bitter, hoppy side or the brown bread, sweet malty side uh, with what we're going to eat. Actually, you know what? Yeah. What you're going to do is you're going to go fatty because the hop bitterness is going to cut through that fattiness and a rich fatty thing is an aspect of flavor that isn't already here. We've got sweet and bitter. So we're going to add a fatty quality and possibly some spices and like spice cupboard spices, of course, I mean, and, uh, what I honestly think you're going to go with is like a Polish style sausage, like street meat, not a spicy Italian. I don't want you to go hot with this. I don't think there's quite enough, um, hot alpha acid to bite that. And the sweetness is going to get lost if you do that. But if you go with like, yeah, just like a mild German or Polish sausage, a lot of fat and some spicing, um, you know, pepper, caraway, etc. Garlic is going to be in there for sure. That was in the thing that I said wasn't going to be so good, but I'm using it differently. You could have that. You could have that as street meat on a bun. Put some uh, accompanying toppings on there, maybe some sauerkraut to get some sour into the mix. You could do that, but actually I think you would probably do better to have this with that sausage but prepared, you know, uh, grilled off in a pan and then finished in an oven with like some uh, uh, like a, a brown sausage gravy and and like mashed potato, like a meal, like at a beer hall. Um, I think that Vienna E multi uh, sweet thing is going to tie in with that sausage well, but the hoppiness is going to help cut some of the fattiness. And again, that malt bill, I was going to say it's weirdly German. Obviously, Vienna is uh, not in Germany. It's Austria. Um, is that right? Yeah. Vienna's in Austria, right? Vienna. Vienna is Austria's most populous city. I was positive of that. But, you know, as soon as you say something like that, you start to doubt yourself. Uh... That's what we're going to have. 
a proper like German or Polish sausage, sausages probably normally in the meal you're going to have two or maybe even three if you're a particularly hungry person. Um, yeah, with a nice uh, pan gravy from the sausages and some spuds. Go like more traditional European. I know this is a West Coast IPA, but that malt bill, while a little befuddling in the exact execution of this beer, I think would work really well in that context. And again, it, this isn't bad. It's just, it's non-standard is what I would say. Um, it's interesting. It's a bit of a thinker. Um, I also don't know how many of these I would have because of that. I like my IPAs to just kind of be citrusy, piney, hazy boys. Yeah, even as the beer is now actually warming up a bit. It really does. It drinks like a New World hopped Vienna lager. With a bit more uh, hop and yeast characteristic on the finish. Maybe not yeast, actually, now that I say that. Hmm, what is that on the finish? Because I expect this was probably fermented with, like, Cali Ale yeast. Again, the can didn't give me any insight into that. Although... No, well, no. No, wherever they're brewing, we just brew with what they want. Just thinking... Both Common Good and Black Oak, it's not un, unexpected to find British ale yeasts, but I don't, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm getting any of that off of there. It's actually interesting, in a way, that malt profile drinks very Vienna-y, but it's also kind of British-y. I mean, it's not, it, it drinks more like Vienna, but the fact that the IPA has an unusually robust malt bill it's sort of british british ipas tend to use more than just straight two row in their mix hopping clearly new world did we even say what the hopping was didn't say it. oh it says cascade right right at the top i wonder if i even saw that and didn't realize it just absorbed it without appreciating that i'd read it no, I can taste Cascade hops a mile away. I'm not an idiot. Maybe I am. That might have been pre-programmed. I'm not sure. Um, it's interesting. It is almost... Well, actually, what it is... I'm going to have a drink and I'm going to tell you what this is. Hang on. I don't want this to sound derogatory. Because I don't mean it to be. But it's like an Ontario IPA. If you guys remember Ontario Pale Ales, they were very prevalent five, six years ago. Around when Danforth Brewery was dropping this beer. And I think that this beer is in the same category as that, which is... It's... it's, it's I was going to say it's fine, it's better than fine, it's tasty. But... It's trying to do more than one thing at once. So I feel like the malt side is trying to be a little more heritage-y, traditionally. Certainly, as I say, it tastes like Vienna lager, Vienna malt. Um, and then, but then they're trying to make it New World, 
like a West Coast IPA by using a you know a lot of of Centennial. I mean Cascade might be Centennial on the bittering. Who knows? Um, and like, there are beers that execute that really really well. And there are a lot of beers that executed, and I'm going to put this one in this group, where, again, not bad. Like, I've had bad beers where they've tried to do too many things at once, and it just, none of them are working. It's just, I feel like, with with all of these types of beers, you would almost do better to just kind of pick a lane. Um, and in, in this case, specifically, pull back a little on that traditional malting a little bit. Um, we'd certainly, I mean, the color's visually very attractive, hazy, you know, orangey, brownish, reddish in the middle. It looks great. Um, but I, I just don't, I don't think all the pieces are quite getting together, you know? Uh, that said, well... I wasn't going to say it at the beginning because uh, I didn't want to, like, corrupt myself and, and, and the viewership, the listenership. So I've had this beer before. I had it probably around 2016. Um, I'd actually kind of forgotten about it. And then when I saw it, I was actually thinking it was a different beer and then. The same time I had this beer, I had another beer. Both of them were from breweries that I was like, oh, I've never heard of these breweries. And in 2016, that was a more unusual thing. Now, everybody has a brewery and I can't keep up with any of them. Not least because I'm not trying. But in 2016, I still sort of was. Um, I think it was uh, Danforth and Rouge River Brewing. And I remember trying them both. And I found Danforth to be me. I wasn't, I wasn't loving it. Um, and Rouge River, I was very pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I, it's hard to say it's been at least seems like six years now. I tend to think this beer has come together a little bit more over that time. Um, trying to remember what my exact complaints were it's interesting because i think they were in the same vein but it was like significantly worse it was where like the two sides were just miles apart and the beer wasn't working um this one like i say i think i i'm sure tons of people drink this and enjoy it and and that's good and good for them i mean I'm, I'm gonna finish the glass sometimes i've had to dump these out after my podcast record is done it's not gonna happen tonight the beer is fine it's just it's not exactly where i want an ipa to be even as a west coast um this isn't me saying i wish it was a, a new england ipa completely different ball of wax um but with even within the context of a, of a west coast ipa yeah i could do with simplifying that malt bill a little bit um and uh and and honestly leaning into those early hop editions a little bit more, which is funny because they're the, since they're the cheap ones, but you spend most of your hop budget at the end of the brew, uh, at the end of the boil, the ones at the beginning, a, you can use almost anything that's high alpha cause you don't taste it. You just get perceived bitterness. I just need a bit more perceived bitterness on that. 
Um, and actually, to be fair, maybe if that was the case, the malt bill wouldn't be, I not say problematic. It's not problematic. It's just there would be a little bit more bitterness to, in this case, it would almost be like the hops would be taming a bit of that malt profile, um, which would be good. All that said, that's for me, very specifically. Danforth Brewery, I mean, you're selling at Loblaws. I'm sure you're doing fine. Um, and again, I'm not saying this is bad. It's just not lighting up my life right now. So, Danforth Brewery Viaduct IPA. 6%, by the way. Go careful. Available at least at Loblaws. Probably some other places too. How much research did I do into this? Zero. Uh, what do we think? Uh, Ontario IPA is what we're going to go with. Uh, again, not in a derogatory way, just in a descriptive way. Uh, nice cascady orangey thing going on. I like that. Also, I love Vienna lagers and I love Vienna malt. Hmm. I mean, it could be something like Munich, but I think it's Vienna. Or something else. Maybe like, maybe it is a crystal. It's like carapils or something. I don't know. Uh, but um, tasty malts, just, I don't know if the two are copacetic. Uh, but keep on doing what you're doing. And uh, if you're interested in trying, a we could certainly say a different take on an IPA. This could be just the one for you. Of note, it's not overwhelmingly bitter for an, a West Coast IPA. Um, so could be just the thing you're looking for. Dinner. Uh, you're going to eat it with some uh, sausage, some German or Polish sausage, spuds, pan gravy from the uh, sausage. I think that would work pretty well. With the beer as it is, if the beer was the way I wanted it to be, probably eat Indian food with it. But that'd just be me. Mm-mm-mm. And that's what we got going on tonight. Um, events? No idea. No idea. I will say this. Uh, Arrows were home to uh, Rugby ATL. We discussed this last week. I was there. You better believe I was there. And you know what I was drinking? Aveling. Yeah. Aveling. So good. Oh, Aveling. Glad to have you there. Uh, also, Duxbury Cider, that's what uh, Erica was sipping on, the missus, and uh, um, Salter Street, also providing beers. Not criticizing, because I was very happy just crushing my, my cans of Aveling in my draft from the beer garden, love that. Um, would like to see a little bit more representation, but I suspect there's probably a fee involved. And I, anyway, I don't want to get into the politics of it, um, but I was very happy. Uh, yeah, the the Aveling was there's a really nice lager. They had a cool honey beer. I got into some of that. It was nice. Uh, results of the game. Not what we're looking for. Toronto lost. To be fair, uh, now having seen the replays, there was a try scored by Toronto that was like. 100% scored by Toronto uh, called back by the TMO which if you don't follow rugby is the television match official uh, I believe in uh, English football they call it the VAR if you're familiar with this video replay um, 
In hockey, they say we're going upstairs. Uh, anyway, the TMO reversed uh, what I could only describe as a very clear and obvious try. So uh, what did we learn? Uh, well, nothing, because what we already knew was surprisingly the MLR, that's Major League Rugby, added a TMO this year. And I've I've never seen the TMO save a call so the on-field decision was wrong, and the TMO said, no, 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 we have a better view. It actually wasn't a try or whatever. I've seen the TMO a couple of times just say to the official, yeah, that's fine, go with that. But now three times I've seen the TMO reverse a call and say, no, that's not what happened, when that is exactly what happened. And... We have the benefit of hearing them. They're talking into a microphone. You hear them on, on the, the replay. Uh, so you actually even get to hear them explain why they're reversing the call. And uh, at least two of those times, they've cited things that are literally not rules or laws, as we call them in rugby, uh, of the game. Um, it's disheartening. As a fan of rugby, it sucks to watch, but as a person who said, you know, comes onto a podcast with dozens of listeners and tells you all to go out and watch some rugby, um, it doesn't do that very well because then I have to come on and apologize and say, oh, and if you actually did watch that game, I'm sorry that the officials um, don't know what they're doing and kind of ruin the game. Um, doesn't, doesn't look good on anybody, MLR. Hey, anybody from the MLR, if you happen to listen to this podcast, I don't think very much of your officials. And not just because my team lost. In general, I find the officiating at the MLR level to be shockingly poor. But anyway, that's what we did this weekend. Hit up the rugby. I had my own training. And I got to tell you, I said earlier I wasn't going to get into why I'm sore, but I'm going to a little bit. We start training outdoors this week now, guys. Uh, Balmy Beach Rugby Football Club. Man, it's going to be good to get back out there on the grass, get a little muddy, bit of fresh air. Not that I lack for fresh air, but some people do. Um, and as such, I've adjusted my gym schedule. And so I worked out this morning and I'm already kind of creaking a little bit. I'm going to be Screeks McGreeks tomorrow. Oh, look, Erica just joined in, you beautiful thing. I'm about to say goodbye, but nice to have you join us. Um, as an aside, if you fancy playing a bit of rugby and you are over the age of 20, please reach out to me and you're within a reasonable drive of the beach because our training is in the beach. It's at Coxwell and uh, Lakeshore. Um, we are trying to field four men's sides this year. And if we're going to do that, we still need a few more bodies. And by bodies, I mean that literally. Uh, I mean, it would be nice if you at least had a functional understanding of how the game of rugby is played and also some level of fitness. Um, but if you fit those two criteria and you want to join what is admittedly one of the most lovely rugby families uh, in the province. I couldn't say enough good things about, uh, about Balmy Beach. You should come on out. Let me slightly remix that and say, if you identify as female uh, and would like to play rugby, 
and those same caveats apply, uh, we would love to have you come out for Bombing Beach uh, Women's Rugby. We we normally have no trouble fielding a full side, um, but uh, it's good to have more people than you need um, because the reality uh, is that sometimes people get injured playing rugby and you need somebody to fill in. Um, and we obviously would love to grow the game on both sides, but especially the women's side. We're going to field uh, four men's sides and I think one women's side. It'd be great if we could get up to two. So uh, if you're interested and, uh, 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 you know, since say able this isn't an ableism thing. I meant able more in the context of you have the time. Uh, yeah, hit us up. Hit me up directly. I'll connect you in. Love to have some more people playing rugby with us. Uh, similarly, if you have kids that want to play rugby, we have one of the best junior programs, probably the best junior program in the city, and definitely one of the best in the province. Um, so if you're in the GTA and you want your little grommet to play rugby, send them my way. I deal with everyone 12 and under and I can connect you to the older sides too so love to have you join in that's the rugby PSA for today other than that what's changed not a lot things are going on concerts are happening again that's nice bars are open everything seems cool you know COVID numbers are exploding again but I think at this point nobody cares which is a shame especially if you know you are yourself or love somebody who's, you know, immunocompromised or otherwise high risk. Um, for those people, I want to say a very sincere apology on behalf of everybody, uh, especially the people who uh, lack the self-control and mental fortitude to say, I don't have to require my life to go back to normal until the science tells me it's time to go back to normal. And hint, the government isn't the science, and the science does not say it's time to go back to normal. So if you can, please keep on wearing that mask, social distancing. I want to tell you, you know, not to go out, but obviously I also do want you to support bars and restaurants. It's a real catch-22. Certainly, if you're in a place where you are fit and healthy and uh, low-risk from COVID complications and have the resources, by all means... Uh, with open eyes and a clear mind, head on out and, uh, you know, enjoy what you want to enjoy. Uh, if, on the other hand, you are somebody who uh, is now effectively imprisoned in your own house because everybody's pretending like there isn't a pretty dangerous uh, virus <laughs> spreading through the population, like wildfire, um, I am sorry. And uh, if this podcast helped, I'm glad to hear that. A lot of breweries, most are still doing home delivery. Uh, so please leverage that if you can. And uh, otherwise, be safe out there. I'm going to be back next Monday. What am I drinking? Who knows? Didn't know I was drinking this until I bought it today at Loblaws. And what was this? This was Danforth Brewery's Viaduct IPA. Available at least at Loblaws because that's where I got it. I'll be back next Monday talking about beer, talking about food, probably talking about rugby, if we're honest. And uh, I hope until then you have a great week. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other if you can. And uh, we will talk at you in, you know, the usual seven days. Oh, and as usual, if you're listening to the podcast, this banger. Yeah, you know it now. It's the theme. Link Ray Gun by the Curry Brothers. Ravenhurst, Ontario. We love you.